Each year, the state of Victoria adds the names of outstanding women to the Victorian Honour Roll of Women. Our guest on the year that made me today was added to the Honour Roll this month when the 2023 recipients were announced. Akuchkwal Anyeth was born in South Sudan. Her early life was shaped by Sudan's civil war and the violence, disease, poverty and displacement it wrought on so many. Ultimately, that led to Akuch living in the Kakuma refugee camp in Kenya before coming to Australia and facing the massive task of building a new life from nothing in a new place with a different language and culture and in the face of discrimination and racism and shocking violence within her own family. Akuch came through all that to become a graduate researcher in crime, justice and legal studies. In 2021, her first book was published. It's called South Sudanese Manhood and Family Crisis in the Diaspora. It's an academic study that resonates deeply with challenges, to put it mildly, that Akuch has faced in her own life. Akuch wrote about those experiences in harrowing detail in her memoir, Unknown, a refugee story. So just a heads up, the, the family violence that Akuch has lived through is very confronting, but it is a great pleasure to welcome Akuch to the year that made me. Hi. Let's start with the basics, Akuch. Could you tell us about your name and also something about the Dinkabor culture that you were born into? Well, South Sudanese named their children based on family uh, lineage and also based on the current circumstances that the child was born in. So, uh, for example, my name, I was born after my father and mother decided we are in a crisis and we're no longer going to have children. Our main focus would be to just focus on uh, raising the one that we already have. But then I happened to be conceived. So when I was born, it was a massive surprise to everybody. Uh, therefore, I was known as Kuch, meaning the unknown, or in other words, a surprise child. <laughs> South Sudanese culture, I think what's always stick with me as a South Sudanese woman or as a Dinka woman is the communal aspect of our lifestyle within our community. Mm. It's a very communal society, and we really support each other, especially in this new society that we're trying to build new lives in, which I think is an incredible aspect of human life, that interconnectedness and togetherness and making sure that we live as one community that is united. It doesn't come across that way sometimes from outside, but there's a lot of great relationship within the community. The independence of South Sudan was, in every sense, hard fought and hard won. And that really did, as I said, sort of shape your early life. Could you tell us a little bit about your mother and your father and what they went through and how that ultimately led to you having to leave South Sudan? Yeah, sure. The Civil War broke out before I was born. So my father was in the army. And my mom was left to look after us like so many other South Sudanese women because the men, uh, majority of the men uh, were deployed onto the battlefield. So I was born during all that crisis while moving from one place to another internally. And then we moved to refugee camp, still with my mother. My father was still 
in the war. And he came to visit us every now and then when he gets the chance to. And then we moved to Australia in 2005. And my mom that migrated with us, my dad stayed back. And we kept in contact with him until he passed away in 2009. Could you tell us who came to Australia in your family group and also a little bit about what life was like in the time that you spent in the Kakuma refugee camp? Life in a refugee camp is very challenging because the refugees that are in those Mm. camps often don't get resettled either in in a third country or go back to their home country because of the civil unrest or because of the war continuing or because of natural disasters. So any camp, I can confidently say that it's not a place where you live a meaningful life. It's a place where you are in a limbo. You don't know whether you will leave, whether you will stay. And it's a place where there are no a lot of opportunities not only for the family as a whole, but opportunities for children to start, for example, schooling so they can contribute to their future and define what they, they what they want to pursue because the, the options are just not there or when they're there, they're quite limited. And violence is a constant threat or was a constant threat for you and your family, wasn't it? Absolutely, it was in my family and in, in and in many families in in the camp because coming from a war torn country, you tend to sort of take that trauma with you uh, wherever you go, and I think that trauma sometimes informs uh, our human behavior. And this is not just um, in refugee camp; we've seen it in in so many other camps because people that lives in those camps have seen the worst in life. And that comes out in very self-destructive way or in harmful way toward um, one another within a family or within that particular community. On The Year That Made Me, we're speaking with Akuch Kual Anyeth and we're hearing about the challenges of living in a refugee camp. And those challenges really did continue, Akuch, when you got to Australia. Tell us a little bit about the early years of setting up that whole new life with your family in Australia. The early years in in, in Australia, we were trying to uh, learn everything and wrap our head around our new country, new state, new suburbs, new neighbours and people. And we were trying to learn English first and foremost uh, because we didn't speak any English coming here. So in 2006, I attended the English language school to start learning English. And that really shaped a huge part of my life uh, as an interpreter, as um, a young person that anyone, any auntie or uncle can come to and be able to assist little things like reading letters and and calling like telecommunication or bill companies. Uh, However, within my family, we we did struggle to uh, settle in. There were so many things that were so foreign to us and we really struggled to adjust. Another really serious challenge that you and your family faced was family violence. Could you dedicate your memoir to all victims and perpetrators of family violence? And from the outside, the inclusion of perpetrators might seem like a surprise to some, but when you read Unknown, I think you you get an insight into why you've made that dedication. Could you 
tell us about why you made that choice and a little bit about the experiences that you and your family went through. Absolutely. I think when we when we look at the rates of family violence, uh, it's quite clear that women and children are often the victims of family violence and men are often the perpetrators. However, that is a blanket approach. So when you look at families or communities that come from war-torn background and they are victim of all sorts of experiences, including perpetrators, and I think when you look at particularly some of the, the men that I work with that come from refugee background or war background or migrant background, that I've seen horrendous circumstances have been experienced horrendous circumstances in their lives, you can tell that the level of trauma within those communities, within those families, make it absolutely important to work with the family as a whole. So my work tend to focus on both the perpetrator, the victim, and the family as a whole. And you write about generations of people born into what you describe as the prison of violence. In a way, one of the most profound transformations that you trace in Unknown is the transformation of your brother. Yes. Uh, in Kakuma, we lived with my mom, as I discussed in Unknown. And he was a young man, obviously without a father in his life, no male role model, is uh, seen the most shocking events during the war when we was uh, moving from one place to another. So he had a lot of stuff that he was struggling in his own personal life. And those struggles or those traumas manifested in uh, perpetration of violence within the family. So as much as he was a perpetrator, to an extent, he was also a victim of the circumstances. And to just add to that, I think the life within the camp in general and this is not to excuse violent behavior, but it is important to acknowledge that when you live in a community where you're seeing violent constantly, uh, it shapes your behavior, it shapes the way you interact with people and it shapes the way uh, you solve dispute either within family or within the community. And to acknowledge that helps us come up with uh, strategies or ways that we can work with them to make sure that their violence is, is addressed in, in a trauma-informed uh, manner. And you've seen that transformation in your brother? Absolutely. Uh, he is uh, married now and he has children and he is still obviously, um, you know, working on himself. We are all working ourselves on ourselves as a family. And yeah, he's, he's doing better than uh, when we first arrived in Australia. And I've discussed all that um, in Unknown. Yes. Akuch, it's been a profound and challenging journey that you've been on. What year have you chosen as the year that made you? 2016. It sort of started in 2015 when I travelled back home to South Sudan because I've never lived in South Sudan, as I mentioned before. I was born there, but I've never lived there. Uh, so in end of 2015, I traveled back to South Sudan. And then after that, in 2016, I went and traveled the world. And I chose 2016, particularly not because I just traveled back home, but because I traveled to many countries 
And while I was traveling, I made sure that I was visiting their court or legal institutions and really paying attention to law and order globally and how violence is managed or is policed within different communities, different parts of the world, and particularly violence that occurs in intimate settings such as families. And I think that year and those experiences really validated what I wanted to pursue in life, which is to research and write about violence and about trauma and on how to overcome it or at least reduce the rates of family violence within our society. So 2016 and that trip that began late in 2015 was really significant both professionally and personally. What was it like to arrive in South Sudan, but with an Australian passport, coming back to the country that you thought of as at home, but at the same time, which, as you said, you hadn't really lived in? Tell us a little about that. It was quite conflicting. I didn't know what to expect. So when I arrived, I I didn't know whether I would be uh, welcome or sort of ostracized, but I had the complete opposite experience. Like I was very welcomed by extended family members that I've never met. So they really welcomed me and they made me feel at home. And I felt particularly at home uh, in the village, not in the main city, Juba. And that was, I think, an incredible experience because when you visit your route and the place that you were born and that your parents were born in, uh, it's, it's a profound experience that I think really I've shaped me as a person and and what I want to pursue professionally and in life in general. Yeah, you describe it as a deep sense of belonging and a sense of relief that you felt deep in your soul. It was obviously a profound experience. And Kuch, I gather that there were some who thought that maybe that trip might result in you staying in South Sudan and (laughs) maybe even ending up the first lady of South Sudan. (laughs) I don't know about the the first lady part, (laughs) (laughs) but yes, that was my mother's dream that I would just land in South Sudan and meet some incredible minister's son and get married and settle and never come back. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly that didn't happen like that. I'm still here. You also write that as a member of your community, I'm still waiting for freedom to begin. What did you mean by that? Freedom of the mind in a sense, because what I am witnessing within the community, though many families are physically settled, a lot of them are still in the survival mode mentally. Things like employment, education, feeling like you belong, that you are Australian, because a lot of young people now were born here. However, the parents um, are still in that survival mode because of various challenges that they, we are experiencing. And the, obviously the current economic is not helping because I think it's one thing to live in a country, but it's another thing to actually feel like you, you are a part of that society or that you are part of that country and you can truly claim your citizenship and your belonging with your full chest. I haven't seen that happen in many families and I hope as we progress our lives in, in our new lives in Australia, we will truly feel like we belong one day. 
One of the things you say that really stood out to me in Unknown Akuch is your declaration. You say, I declare that generational trauma, violence and poverty ends with me. How optimistic are you about the capacity, not just in your family, but more broadly for generational trauma to be ended within a lifetime? Trauma can be healed from a realization that there has been trauma experience. And that is partly my work to bring awareness into the community and into the society that yes, we have experienced trauma in, in, in various settings and various ways. Some have experienced complex trauma, which is a trauma acquired by experiencing many traumatic events at the same time. And some have experienced uh, mild trauma that can easily be treated or cured by going to therapy. Therefore, I think once we understand that the, this connection between perpetration of violence or experiences of violence with experiences of trauma, prior migration and post-migration, there needs to be strategies or services that will address that part of individual life and also address the experiences of violence and, and healing to make sure that what we do now is helping the next generation so they don't live through violence and trauma like we did. Well, Akuch, it's been fantastic speaking with you and your account of your life and the challenges your family has faced is confronting, but also inspiring to see how you can come through it. Thank you so much for speaking with us on The Year That Made Me. My pleasure. Thank you. And Akuch, we always finish The Year That Made Me by asking our guests to choose a piece of music to go out with. What shall we finish up with today? I listen to a lot of uh, Dinka music, which is um, a South Sudanese language, South Sudanese music, and that makes me uh, stay connected with the language of Dinka. Also, the the meaning uh, in, in, in Dinka music is usually very deep and profound. So I, I listen to a lot of uh, Dinka music, and, and I do listen to English music too, but most of the time um, the, the, the Dinka is a preferred choice. Fantastic. Well, let's have a little bit of Dinka music. Akuch Kual and Yeth, thank you once again. Thank you. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.